Good morning, and welcome to virtual worship at Mayflower Church. We're glad you're here. I am the Reverend Ruth Bell Olson. I'm serving with Reverend Dr. Jonathan White, and together we are your interim pastoral team. Also leading worship today is Dr. Julia Brown, the Director of Music, Rachel Petty, our soloist, and Pat McGuire, our stage manager. Today is a special Sunday for many Protestant churches. It's Reformation Sunday, when we remember the transformation Martin Luther brought to the Western Church. Congregationalism was the result of independent churches who not only broke from the Roman Church, but also the Church of England. We're the result of a gentle, reformed movement And we don't usually celebrate Reformation Sunday as much as Lutherans, Anglicans, or Episcopalians. However, the Reformed tradition would have probably died in the vine had it not been for Martin Luther. So we'll celebrate the monk-turned-professor-turned-pastor today. And rumor has it that he might even make an appearance. So now I would like to introduce this year's Chair of the Stewardship Campaign, Ken Goodson. Good morning. I'm Ken Goodson, past moderator and this year's Stewardship Campaign Chairman, and I'm asking for your full attention for just a few minutes to kick off our stewardship campaign. I'm going to pass along a few statistics in a bit, so you may want to grab a pen and paper. To start, as Pastor White mentioned last week, we know some of you are suffering from unemployment or reduced income due to the COVID crisis. If this is the case, we ask that you take a sabbatical from giving this year and let those who are more fortunate to hold serve for the support and benefit of our Mayflower. As a reminder, please help Mayflower get through 2020 by completing your promise to the church, by fulfilling your pledge commitments for this year. Staff and council wanted me to tell you how appreciative they are for your continued financial support and wanted you to know that without these pledges fulfilled to Mayflower, they will not be able to balance the the budget for this year. Our staff, with Council's approval, have worked out the 2021 budget plan. They are assuming a full-time minister will be on board by June. Now, hopefully, this is way off base and the search committee will be able to get somebody on board a lot sooner. But some facts... Our current expenses run a little under $19,000 per week, or about $985,000 for an entire year. This includes our current staff, building, and church programs, and reductions made by council. Our expenses before the pandemic, which included Mark and Lynn's salary, building and church programs, and fully funded outreach, We're about $25,000 per week, or $1.3 million annually. Looking to 2021, Council has set a budget at the current run rate of $985,000 a a year, a reduction of about 23% over pre-pandemic actual expenditures. Let's break down a few of the key contributors. Personnel and administration... $710,000, which includes one-half of the year for a new minister. House and grounds, $170,000. Music and worship, $40,000. Christian education, membership, communication, and youth, $32,000. Outreach, $34,000, which was reduced to 3.5% from its normal run rate or normal giving of 15%. For the members and friends of Mayflower who can, today I am not asking, as we have done in the past, for you to increase your pledge over the prior year 
It just doesn't make sense. What I am asking is that for all who can to hold serve and pledge the same as you did this year, we have to be realistic that some members may leave or have left or maybe in a tougher financial situation than they were last year. But if the rest of us can just hold serve, we'll put ourselves in a position of strength as we bring on new leadership. When your pledge card comes in the mail, please don't put it aside. Fill it out. Mail it in. Be generous if you can. Mayflower members and friends, our church and its family need your help now more than ever. Like many suffering through the crisis, our church is too. With your support, we can keep our staff on board, maintain our beautiful building, and keep our excellent music and youth programs viable. I also want to state, for the record, that if we can exceed Council's financial plan, I'll personally push to fund outreach back to its respectable 15%. There are a ton of folks out there that need our help. I'm asking all of us to prayerfully consider helping Mayflower by holding serve with your commitment for 2021. God bless you all. Thank you so much, Ken. We have news this morning regarding our COVID plan. We've been experimenting with phased reopening, and thus far, this has gone very well. However, due to recent surges in COVID cases in Kent County, our reopening plan is proceeding with great caution. Tonight's Elevate has been canceled. And we would like for you to know that the Church Council is holding a very special COVID-specific meeting this Tuesday. So please pray with them, with all of us, and for them, for wisdom and clarity. I would like to introduce Dr. Julia Brown to share a word about today's music. Reformation and music, Martin Luther, all go hand in hand. Today you'll hear some singing in German, maybe some speaking in German, and we'll be singing some German chorales from the 1600s. And I want to highlight some of the music we'll be experiencing this morning, starting with the introit, All Glory Be to God on High, was penned by Nicolaus Decius, who, like Martin Luther, was a German monk who became a pastor, and it is a versification of the Gloria. Our closing hymn, Built on the Rock, is from the Danish Reformation. And the Danish original literally means the church, it is an old house. God is the foundation in Christ, builds a house of living stones. The imagery of a sturdy frame is matched by an equally sturdy tune. And we could not have Reformation Sunday without Ein Festeburg, or A Mighty Fortress is Our God. This is Martin Luther's metrical commentary on Psalm 46. It is our opening hymn, and you will notice as we sing it, the themes of protection from the enemies. And cast in military terms, A Mighty Fortress, weapons and arsenals, the field of battle, the defeat of the enemy. And J.S. Bach wrote a cantata, Ein Festeburg, where he musically depicts all of this very militaristic uh, thematic material. But in the middle of that cantata is the most beautiful, intimate, lyrical movement sung by a soprano. And you will hear this later with Rachel singing. Uh, the image and the metaphor come into the house of my heart. And in this aria, the soprano affirms that God's image should shine once again in me. Or better yet, 
to let the image shine forth in a renewed me. And now let's prepare our hearts for worship. And now, our call to worship. If you are following along in the worship bulletin, feel free to join the call with the words in bold. Today is Reformation Sunday, a day when we think about the sacrifices made and the risks taken by Martin Luther and other reformers in the 15th and 16th centuries. We celebrate the church that was, the church that is, and the church that will be. We give thanks for living in a time and place where we experience the freedom of religious belief, gathering, and expression. Help us, O God, to strengthen our own faith and to strengthen our acceptance of those who think differently than we do. The differences that exist among us only prove the extravagant mosaic beauty of God's creation. We are all children of God, creatures of a creator that knows and loves each and every one of us. History has proven that we may never be able to predict where our journey through life may take us, but that our journey will always be filled with God's grace. Let us journey together. That journey together starts right here. Let us worship God.
Please pray with me. God of the faithful, we give thanks for your abundant blessings. Thank you for our fathers and mothers in the faith who, sometimes with significant risk, stood up for their beliefs. Give us the courage to speak out, to speak up, and to stand for racial, social, and economic justice. To speak truth to power, that we might share your merciful love and grow in grace and be an ever-reforming body of Christ. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 46. It has been called Luther's Psalm, and it inspired him to write a mighty fortress. Listen for the word of the Lord. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our second scripture reading this morning is found in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for all of us, will he not with him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sein großen Rauschung ist, auf wird es nicht sein gleich. Ah, students, welcome, welcome. Here, Professor Dr. White invited me to come and address the church today on Reformation Sunday and tell you what happened so long ago. I did not intend to have a church named after me. I intended to reform the Catholic Church, and there were many other movements. My movement was just one of those, and it started many years before 1517. But we Protestants struck out in a multitude of directions with different communions, and we tried to reform the church. The church itself reformed again in the Council of Trent, and today, after Vatican II, we see a merging of traditions that are diverse, that celebrate one body, one Lord of all, one cup of blessing. So I'm happy to be here today. Let me tell you a little bit about where all of this came from. When I was a little boy, one of my best friends and I were playing in a field, and lo and behold, a thunderstorm came. As we ran to get back inside, a lightning bolt came from the sky and struck him dead. That was my concept of God. A God of vengeance, a God of anger, a God who wanted to punish us for our sins and who would arbitrarily send down a lightning bolt and snatch our soul. Many things that I saw inside the church reinforced this. My parents sent me to school, and I learned to read at an early age, and I would read the Bible. Along the sides of the Bible, there would be pictures of dragons. There would be pictures of demons. There would be pictures of Satan himself, all taking souls into hell. And I thought, why, God? Why do you do this? Why do you give us a task that we cannot accomplish, that is to be free of sin? Why do you give us life only to send us into condemnation? Well, my parents, peasants that they were, were quite well off for parents, for peasants, and they sent me away to the university where my father desired that I would become a lawyer so I could support them in their old age. And I went off and started studying the law. I'm still grim, still depressed, still worried about my eternal soul, which I knew had to be condemned because I was a sinner. On one break, I was riding home on a horse, and I came on into a field. In that field at the distance, 
I saw thunderclouds. Oh, my. I kicked the horse and had him go into a trot. The clouds kept getting closer. I kicked the horse again and went into a gallop. But the clouds rolled in and I heard the thunder and then lightning started streaming down. Rain was pouring on me. I fell off my horse on my knees and in the mud I cried out, Saint Anne, save me and I will become a monk. Saint Anne was the patron saint of miners. My parents owned a mine. Well, the rain stopped. Eventually the clouds went away. The thunder rolled in the distance. And I thought I had just made a promise. See, in the 1500s, we thought you had to earn your way to heaven and you could punish yourself. You, you could do penance. Or you could become a monk and earn your way to heaven. So I realized I'd made a vow and that's what I had to do. I went home and told my dad he was not happy. He was not happy at all. He said, Luther, people make promises like that all the time in times of crisis. You don't have to keep that. St. Anne will understand. God will understand. No, I said I made a vow, so I had to do it. And I packed off and went to the monastery. Now, I didn't go to any monastery. I went to the Augustinians. I went to the toughest monastery in the toughest order I could find. And let me tell you, after years of studying, there was never a monk more monkish than me. I prayed continually. I rose before the other monks and prayed. I did penance. I beat myself with a whip to try to purge the sin from my soul. And I confessed. In fact, I went to my confessor one day, Johann Staupitz. I was confessing and, and I went on because I tried to get everything I could possibly do wrong. And after a few hours, Staupitz stepped out of the confessional booth and he said, Luther, you're driving me crazy. I want you to go out and sin. I said, but I am a sinner. He said, no, no, I mean, commit some real sins so you have something to confess. What you're confessing is just what people normally do. I said, but I have to do this. I, I have to try to get out of hell. Stelfitz said, Luther, don't you love God? I stopped and thought about that. And very honestly, I looked at Father Staupitz and I said, no, no, I don't love God. I hate God. Staupitz was incredulous. He said, how can you say that, Luther? And I said, it's this simple. We are placed on earth. We are given this task to become pure and holy. It's a task we can't complete and we're condemned to hell and I don't like it. Well, the head of the monastery got together with Stalpitz and they made a decision. They thought I was crazy enough, just like Herr Professor Dr. White. They thought I was eccentric enough that the monastery wasn't for me and I should become a professor a place where you can thrive in eccentricity. So I received my doctorate in theology and went to the University of Wittenberg where I taught classes on the Bible. My first classes were on the Psalms. Oh, I hit the Psalm that where the psalmist says, the words Jesus will use on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That touched my heart. Oh, I understood the pain there. And then I was also to teach a, a class on the book of Romans. And St. Paul starts out by saying, everybody wants to atone for the sin of Adam. And we can't do it. But because we can't do it, God gave us the law. 
So if we follow the law, then we can go to heaven. But there's a problem. Ah, I thought, Paul, you're right. This is the problem I discovered. The problem is you can't keep the law. The problem is, as St. Paul said, all people have sinned. And all people fall short of the glory of God. Yes, well, I prepared the lectures. And then I hit the eighth chapter. While we were sinners, God did something that we couldn't do. God paid the price for our sin, even while we were still sinning. In the fullness of time, the whole cosmos is longing for salvation, and God provides it. And that provision is Christ. And I hit these wonderful words in the 8th chapter. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? God's on our side. He did not withhold His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. Will He not with Him also give us everything else? Who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. The only person who can condemn us is Christ. And Christ is pleading our case. Oh, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And so I started teaching this. I took a trip to Rome and I saw some things that disappointed me because they weren't teaching this. And I came back to northern Germany and started writing about this. And I wrote about salvation. And I wrote about God's love. And there was a printing press. So these writings went everywhere. It was like the internet of our time. And I talked about grace. I talked about salvation. And I talked about God's love. And that's what we should be preaching in the church. But that got me in trouble. And to make a long story short, that brought me to a trial for my life. When the church sent a prosecutor, and I, a peasant, was appearing before the Diet, or the Congress, of the Holy Roman Empire, of the German-speaking peoples. It was held at Barnes, and there was the emperor, along with all the nobles in the Diet. Now, I had supporters. The North German princes liked what I said. And I have to admit, it's primarily because they didn't want to send their taxes to Rome. The North German knights were my champions. And they encouraged me. But the southern states... They didn't like me at all. And the prosecutor was out to burn me at the stake. One day, as the trial had gone on, my nervousness was still there. I was in the witness box. The prosecutor asked me, Luther, did you write these things about the church and salvation? I said... Well, yes, I wrote them. Did you mean to say that the Pope could be wrong, that councils don't have authority, that there is no such place as purgatory, and you must earn your way to heaven? What did you mean when you wrote? And I thought, I, I had a Ph.D. I said, well, you know, it's a funny thing about writing. I have a thought in my mind, and I transfer that thought to paper, and it might not come through exactly. You read the paper, then you get a thought in your mind, and the thought in your mind might not match the thought I had in my mind. The prosecutor looked at me and said, Luther, 
I don't want any academic games. Do you stand by what you've written? Took a breath. Well, yes, I, I do, because you see, there's abstract thinking and there's different interpretations of writing. There are even different interpretations of the Bible. Uh, and I, I can't help what people think when they read my writing to see if it was exactly what I, he's, I don't want to hear it, Luther. This trial is over for today. Tomorrow morning, you come in and you tell me plainly, do you stand by what you've written? It was a sleepless night. I don't know. I didn't sleep very well anyway. And that night was really a sleepless night. My protector, the elector of Saxony, Frederick the Wise, told me to stand in my courage that he would stand with me. The North German knights came in. They said, we're with you, Luther. And morning came. I walked into the diet, went up in my box where I was to be questioned, and the prosecutor looked at me. Okay, Luther, this is what you've written. Is it correct? I thought one more try. It's correct in as far as I can see, but you might have a different interpretation. And the way people interpret writing, Luther, I don't want to hear it. A simple yes or no. Did you write this? Do you believe it? Do you preach this? I looked at the South German knights. They were sharpening their swords. I looked at the emperor. He was staring at me. I looked at the North German Knights. They were nodding their heads. And I said, since you desire a simple answer and I am compelled to give it, let me say this. I believe in neither popes nor counselors I believe in the Bible. I believe in God's love. I believe in the salvation of Christ. I believe that nothing can separate us from God's love. Here stand I can't under. Gut helf mich. Amen. Here I stand. I can do no other. May God help me. Amen. The prosecutor stood there and went. He was surprised. He just got a confession. The South German knights were drawing their swords. The North German knights threw their hands in the air as a victory at the symbol of a joust. And before anybody on the southern side could react, the North German knights grabbed me, put me on their shoulders, and carried me out of the Diet of Arms. Well, the Reformation had started. I went to the castle of Frederick the Wise uh, under assumed, an assumed name, and I wrote the Bible in German so that everybody would have access to it, not just the priest. And the Reformation started. And now we come to today's church. Today's church that is streaming because of COVID. And we ask about that. Is the Reformation a one-time moment? Is being born again that one-time moment? Or are we constantly reforming? Do we have a need to see God's grace anew every day? And do we have a need to remind ourselves that the psalmist says, we're being led like sheep to the slaughter. But there is an emphatic no. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced 
that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor heights nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Here I stand. May God help me. Amen. In Namen von Vater und Sohn and Heilige Geist. Amen. Giver of life, prosper the work of our hands in faith. 
Prosper the work of our gifts offered in gratitude. Prosper the joy of our life in following the Christ. Amen. now join our hearts together for our congregational prayer. Loving God, today is Reformation Sunday, the recognition of a particular time of the church's history where the message of the gospel grew stale in some segments of the church, where grace seemed to be replaced with obligation, and where truth was shrouded in bureaucracy. We recognize this time not as a monument to the past, but a mission moving forward. Our longing for comfort can make the gospel message adapt to our standards instead of the reverse. We are but human, holy God, blessed yet sinful, faithful yet broken, seeking you throughout our lives. And we pray for a Reformation Sunday every Sunday a recommitment to your timeless ideals, often shrouded in staleness and comfort. Holy God, hear our prayers today and always. The ones we have lifted among our neighbors in Christ, the ones we still hold in our hearts, the ones that our world groans under. We pray for those who struggle with the brokenness of the world that imposes on them as poverty, abuse, and so many other tortures. We pray for those who struggle with illness, mental, physical, or otherwise.
Holy Lord. We pray that we may be faithful agents of Christ's holy kingdom, bringing it forth as we follow Christ out of joy, not out of fearful obligation. We pray all these things in his holy, blessed name as we pray together the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. made a discovery this morning. Luther's English is a lot better than my German, but he's had 500 years to study. On a serious side, we're in a period of sadness, and we're being tested at this time. I know we all want to open the church, but we want to open the church safely. Please keep the council and all the governing bodies that will be meeting with us, the advising body, our COVID task force this Tuesday, as Jim Rogers holds a special meeting to see what will be unfolding safely in the future. And friends, we need to be a reforming church constantly.
And we need to remember that among our Orthodox sisters and brothers and our Roman Catholic sisters and brothers and all the denominations of Protestantism, that we are one bread, one body, one Lord of all. And whether you are on top of the world or the world is on top of you, that one Lord of all goes with you. In the name of the Creator, the Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.